This is the chirp with Darren Millard. Sheldon Surrey and Big Coats jumps to mind. You know, he was really into his looks, which which most which most people from uh, Elk Point are, if you didn't know that. And Elk Point is one of the fashion capitals of the world. Of course. Quite honestly, you know. Rod, he was thinking about suiting up coming off that loss. Did anybody ask you what that would have been like? I think the thing was nobody really laughed at that because everybody thinks he probably could do it. Chirps from a couple of players who have had the honor of serving as a captain in the National Hockey League. Justin Williams and Ethan Morrow guest today on Episode 7 of The Chirp. But in an earlier time of their hockey careers, the two were supporting Rod Brindamore and Jason Smith as Carolina faced Edmonton in Game 7 of the 2006 Stanley Cup Final. The Canes won that series, Williams scoring the final goal of the set. The first step in becoming known as Mr. Game 7, a nickname he cemented in winning back-to-back Stanley Cup titles with Los Angeles. That night in Raleigh was as close as Morrow would get. Ethan would take over from Jason Smith as Oilers captain before wrapping up his career with Los Angeles. The 2006 final was one of the most unexpected matchups ever. In somewhat of an endorsement of that statement, neither franchise has been close to getting back to the stage. I know Ethan a bit better, and it will probably come through in the two conversations. He's not afraid to give me the gears. Justin, though, by being active in the NHL, gets the start out of the game. He's in his late 30s now. Stops in Los Angeles and Washington, separated a return to the Hurricanes. His influence has been impressive. Perhaps most noticeable is something called the Surge, which is a Carolina team-led on-ice celebration after all home ice victories. It's different than anything the NHL has witnessed, and as a result, it's been met with varied reactions. But for the record and from the start, I've been a proponent of it. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm. Well, now you've got five minutes to figure it out. We start every five minutes with Millard with uh, state your name and who you scored your first goal against. Justin Williams, Felix Potvin. Really? What kind of goal was it? It was a, uh, like I guess like a two-on-two, and I shot the puck, and I found it in the defenseman's feet, and I jammed it in five hole. Beautiful goal, right? <laughs> to me it was um, what was it like going back and uh, to Carolina from where you started to, uh, and 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 did it how different did it feel uh, going back there with all those memories um, going back to Carolina the second time yeah know. yeah yeah I mean listen there's whenever you leave a place and then you come back there's always those memories there's always there's always things you think of, uh, good times, friends, um, experiences, um, and I had some great ones in Carolina. So um, it it was it was a little tough because leaving Carolina, um, you know, 2009, um, the team was under a few good years of, of having a lot of good playoff success. So that was great, um, but coming back um, was a little bit different. Um, you know, the crowd wasn't as uh, boisterous as I remembered it um, there hasn't been a lot of success lately um, and I wanted to 
do my best to try and help us uh, get back to where I know that city could be and, and the team can be. What was your quote when you when you went back there? It was something, I'm not coming in here to be a the head honcho or something to that effect? Um, no, I don't know what, I don't know what I said, but <laughs> I, I'd say a lot of things sometimes, but, um, I just going back there to try and fit in and, 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 um, try and help the Hurricanes be relevant in the hockey circles again, when people talk about, uh, um, quality and, 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 um, Stanley Cup relevant teams. And, and I want to help us get back there because I know we can. So how close are you? <clears throat> well, listen, it's tough to say, right? I mean, first of all, we haven't made the playoffs in nine years. So, you know, as an outsider looking in, you can say, well, they're not even close. But um, I certainly speak from experience in the fact that you just need to get invited to the dance. You need to make the playoffs. You need, and then you can see what can happen. Um, and certainly I know that um, in L.A. as an eight seed coming in. Um, but it's, it's, it's just possible and, um, we're not that far. Um, but at the same time, we need to find, um, the consistency to compete and get ourselves an opportunity to compete for what we want. What's it like playing for a guy that you played with in your coach, Rod Brennamore? Well, I think, I think basically it's just, it's just the evolution of, of, the hockey circles really is all it is. I've been fortunate enough to play with some unbelievable players and some unbelievable minds. And, um, it just comes with the older you get and you're still playing. Um, the more opportunity that your friends are, are kind of moving on to, to management roles, to coaching roles, to scouting roles. And, and that's just kind of the evolution of, of the hockey circles. And, and, and what I know, I'm still playing it. At 37, and I feel good. And, and the guys that I played with that were 10 years older than me are kind of making the transition into their jobs after hockey and after playing hockey. And um, it's not that hard because uh, Rod knows what I am, and I know what he is, and um, we have a lot of similarities. And um, he's able to bounce things off me, and and, and in turn, um, obviously, I have to prove myself. But uh, it's always easy when the coach knows exactly what you are. So do you have more in common with Rod than you do Sebastian Ajo, your line mate? <clears throat> yes, I would imagine I do. <laughs> but uh, other than the fact that we play on the same team and we're all working for, towards the same goal, um, certainly. But I sit next to, to Sebastian uh, in the dressing room every day, and he's, just, he's, a, he's a great kid. And um, It's just the other sides of the spectrum. You know, one's 10 years um, you know, older than me, and one of them's you know, 10, 15 years younger than me. So... Um, it's uh, it's a good experience for me and one that I'm really enjoying. Curious, when Rod was quoted the other day saying he was thinking about suiting up or he should have suited up in the game uh, coming off that loss, did anybody ask you what that would have been like? Because you would have been able to answer that. <clears throat> well, I think I think the thing was nobody really laughed at that because everybody probably thinks he probably could do it. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, he still has that work ethic with him, and you see him on the ice. And whenever there's a, a there's a uh, uh, an opportunity to get involved in practice and help us out and, and, and spill his knowledge, he is right there with it and, and, and ready and willing to do what it takes to, to help and, and show us um, you know some little pointers here and there. And, 
That's why I think nobody really laughed at it because he probably could get out there and do it. Okay, the surge. Uh, who did you bounce that off of when the <clears throat> subject came up, and what was the first conversation like? Well, I think towards the you know the start of the season, we you know it's well documented that we haven't uh, had a lot of playoff success here in the last few years. Um, so. With that being said, we simply didn't want to do the standard stick wave after the game. We felt it was a little monotonous and a, and a little bit uh, um, haphazard. And, and we wanted to do a little bit more for the people that uh, um, are there for us and, and cheer for us every night. And um, it's really become quite popular and, and fans are enjoying it and that's really the most important thing um you know we created something um we don't want to let it die and we want to do a little bit more for our fans and and they've really responded and and um as you can tell by the last few minutes of games that we're winning nobody leaves the arena and and they're excited to see what we're going to do so um we're going to keep it going and, and hopefully celebrate a lot it's like the three stars used to be. Used to always stick around for the three stars, and that kind of went away. And this is this is kind of replaced that. Uh, do you have to approve every idea, every surge <clears throat> proposal? <laughs> no, we have we have uh, we have a lot of ideas. I, I you know, the the vault is getting a little bit empty. I'm not going to lie to you. We uh, we need some some fresh ones. But tell tell some rookies to give you some ideas. And uh, um, but no, I mean, listen, we you got to toe that line between stupid and just, you know, fun. And that's what you have to do, right? You don't want to go out there and make fools of yourself. You, you want to have a little bit of fun with it. And that's exactly what we're doing. Um, and as I said, people are really enjoying it. But on the other side of things, people aren't going to enjoy it. You're not going to try and please everybody. But if we can please the people that um, are there and, and, and support our team um, through the downtimes and, you know, we're slowly turning things around here, and we, we think we got a great team here, and we're going to enjoy celebrating with them. Have you had to shoot an idea down yet? Something that maybe was a little stupid? <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what it was, but I mean, listen, this isn't certainly just me. We all we all <laughs> have input in this, and um, and uh, we we actually had a really good one for for Star Wars night the other day, but uh, we ended up losing that game unfortunately. But uh, can you tell me what it was? Um, as I said, I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep going on and on about nope. this. But um, yeah, we have ideas and and we have we have fun with everything we do out there. We created something. We're we're going to keep it going. Um, but really, the most important thing is winning. We we love winning. We want to continue to win, and we want to do it a lot more. How long do you want to play? Myself, I told myself, you know, a few years ago that I'd play as long as I'm productive, as long as I'm healthy. Um, and as long as teams want me, um, so you're having a great year, man. I'm not year, looking man. any far ahead. I'm not looking any farther ahead than this year. And you know, you make decisions um, at the end, and, and that's all I'm focused on right now. And I'm focused on the present, and that's really um, what, what someone uh, my age is going to do in this league. Can you make forty? <laughs> Listen, I. I 
As I said, I'm, I'm not looking ahead. All I'm doing is, is focusing on right now. I don't yeah. know how long I can play. I don't know if I want to play. I don't know what's going to happen uh, towards the end of the year. I'm just enjoying it right now because I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. But I want to have a lot more fun, and I want to get an opportunity to, to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, um, we need a, a solid few months here um, to get ourselves um, back in the conversation and back into a comfortable spot. Uh, congratulations on it. You're having a hell of a year, and uh, it's great to see the fun back in the game. So really appreciate this, and uh, keep that going and keep the ideas uh, coming on the surge. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I caught up with Justin during an off day while the team was on an extended road trip. He could have made a thousand excuses, but he did not. Now, it's incredible how similar of a path the Hurricanes franchise has followed since 2006 to that of Edmonton. Minus a blip in 2017, the Oilers have been stuck in this endless loop of frustration. And maybe that's why that unexpected run to the Stanley Cup final stands out. They wrote a couple of key additions, one before the season in Chris Pronger, the other in season. Dwayne Rollison added from the Minnesota Wild and upset their way to the championship series. That run was right in the middle of Ethan Morrow's more than 750 games in an Oilers sweater. I got to know this Oilers era a little bit through Jared Stoll, and I'm left with two opinions. They were a fun, close group, and I really thought it should have produced more than one deep playoff run. Please welcome Ethan Morrow. Y'all ready for this? That's a clown question, bro. Just let him drop the puck. When you look back on almost 1,000 games in the National Hockey League, what's the one skill that that excelled for you, and what's the one thing that you wish you could have done a little bit better, Ethan? Um, I think when I first got into the league, I was a first-round draft pick, and I was and I scored obviously a lot of points in junior. And um, the, the Chicago thought I'd be on their top two lines, and I think uh, immediately at my first training camp or my first few games, I I knew I wasn't good enough. I, like I saw what top six meant. And top six wasn't me, and it wasn't my, you know, it wasn't my fault. It was just that's, you know, I, I was drafted high because, you know, I got away with physical attributes. I was, I was a really good athlete, and I was able to put up good numbers. Um, not, not with, not with no skill, but it was mostly just because I was, you know, stronger and faster than most guys. So it wasn't so much I was a great hockey player. So I had to adjust on the fly really quickly and and figure, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to do what these guys do and. When I say that, I was referring to like Gronick and Antonio Monte and, you know, guys that were true top sixes when I came in the league. So, um, yeah, so from there, I just kind of really developed a strong uh, penalty kill game. I was physical. I fought quite a bit when I was younger um, and just established, established myself in the, in the league a way that I knew I could. And, and uh, rather than relying on numbers, which which I did okay. I mean, I, I still scored 15 goals, I think, as a rookie, but I knew that long term I had to really round out my game what was it like walking into that group in Chicago because it was a lot of powerful personalities yeah it was awesome man like you, you, you said it like Chris Chelios I mean my first uh I got called up from the IHL uh I was on the plane back from uh uh Washington that was our first game he came but Chris walks back to wherever I was sitting on the plane he said hey where are you staying tonight and I said well I'm just you know staying at the local hotel that I think it was the Drake no it wasn't the Drake it was something else anyway he said no you're not you're staying with me so right away 
I was just treated so well, um, you know, living, living with Chris and, um, you know, guys like Bernie Nichols wearing his fur coat and, you know, Murray, <laughs> Cra- Murray Craven, and Bernie Nichols and, you know, uh, Bob Probert, jeez, uh, man, like just legends, Daryl, uh, uh, Daryl, Daryl, not Daryl, sorry, um, Brent Sutter, who was my first Sutterman, I, I learned a ton from him. Uh, Eddie Belfour, like it was quite the cast of characters, you know, for for a young guy like me. I was really the only young guy on the team. Like, um, there there wasn't any other rookies, so I was just kind of fully immersed into this this culture of guys that have already made a ton of money and 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 living that way, you know, like guys are living pretty hard. Like we go for dinner, and the first glass of wine I ever had in my life was Opus One. Like I remember, I remember, uh, you know, they asked me why. I said, "Oh, Bud Light." And, and I forget who it was. I think it was Eric Weiner. She's like, well, why don't you try some of this wine? I'm like, I don't drink wine. He goes, you do now. And he poured me the Opus One. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's a, uh, what is it? Robert Mondavi. And I think yeah. uh, Parker, Parker uh, mixture. And it's, uh, you know, pretty iconic wine. And from that day, I, w- I was hooked. So it was just, uh, you know, if you went to a young team and I didn't play in the AHL either. And the IHL was very mature at that, at that time. And so I went right from pretty much being a young a uh, young junior kid not knowing anything to be in with all these uh, uh, guys that were very successful Hall of Famers. Um, so I was thrown right into the to, right into the culture of the NHL at that point. Did they tell you how to handle being around Belfour? <laughs> you know what? For some reason, Eddie liked me. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I don't know why. Uh, probably because I didn't, I didn't shoot above his knees for a whole year. Um, so how did but, you know uh, Eddie liked you? He just, I don't know. He just, he just did. You could just tell like, he, he, well, first of all, you wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't uh, stare at me like he wanted to kill me. So that was, a, that was, a, that was a good sign. He liked me. Uh, he would talk to me. So that was another good sign. Um, he didn't talk and he would give me advice. Like it was weird. Like I hear all these things and he would, he would go out of his way to tell me things I was doing well. And, and, uh, you know, that, that's the thing about hockey players is, you know, you, you bring up a name, like throw the name Eddie Belfour, and all these guys will have opinions and different words and different comments. But truly, you can, you can only really assess somebody and, and, and talk about their character if you know them personally. And, and, and Eddie was great to me. So it's that, that's my only, uh, like I said, my only interaction with him is, uh, is uh, I think he liked me. You know, and maybe that maybe that was always, maybe that was just a big plan. Maybe it was a big trap that he didn't, he didn't get to fully uh, finish because we both got traded. But uh, my time with Eddie was good. When you brought up the the big fur coat and Bernie Nichols for some Sheldon yeah. Surrey and big coats jumps to mind. Did did, <laughs> did he not have the fashion sense? Shell, yeah, yeah, I don't. I think a little bit of like we we played together in the 2000s. So you might have had a little bit of fur on the collar, but yeah, yeah. Shelly Shelly was way ahead of the curve. Like you, you, you look at the guys now, and um, everybody dresses awesome in the NHL. Like it's it's pretty impressive. But he was definitely one of the first guys that um, really took it to a different level. Um, you know, he was really into his looks, which which most which most people from uh, Elk Point are. If you didn't know that, and Elk yeah. Point is one of the fashion capitals of the world of course played, honestly you know um but uh, but you know great great uh, native background uh his, his mom and dad are just awesome people um yeah and he just you know i think for him it was just he took pride in his pride in his appearance but he took pride in everything else he was you know he, he 
he took pride in the way he played. He took, uh, you know, he took pride in the, the way that he came into the game. And I think that was just all the uh, reflection of the way he dressed. That team in Chicago and then compared it to the group in Edmonton were, were different. You, you had some veterans on that, that group in, in Edmonton, but it sort of revolved a little bit more about, around the younger core. Yeah, totally different. Um, obviously, totally different cities, uh, totally different arenas. You got to remember, I was in the new United Center, which right. was one of the newest built. Well, I, was, I think it was his first or second year there. Um, and then going to Edmonton. And you got to remember, when I went to Edmonton, it wasn't a big market uh, like it is now. We were still struggling. They had an ownership, an ownership group of, I think, 30. Uh, we weren't selling out, believe it or not. Um, and... Uh, yeah, you had guys like Kelly Buckberg and Dougie Wade and Bill Guerin, um, you know, Todd Warshaw, uh, Marty McSorley. So we had we we had we had some uh, guys that were a little bit younger, but that but other than Marty, Marty had his second tour of duty there in Edmonton, <laughs> but uh, not not quite as good as his first. But, he, he's a beauty, uh, eh? Like he, he uh, yeah, you get you ask awesome. Marty a question, he will talk until you leave the room. Well, he won't say I don't know. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Marty's awesome. He's I I, I lived in uh, Manhattan Beach for a little bit when I was in LA, and I trained down there, so I got to know him pretty well. Um, but Marty Marty's a pretty he's got a pretty good pretty good heart. He's he's a he's a good man. And uh, but anyway, that that cast of characters in Edmonton was was pretty good. And we were, you know, it was it was funny because we were just such a there wasn't much attention on us like there is now. There's no social media. It was still a small town, but we uh, we, we had a lot of fun. I mean, the, the group of those guys, the, those guys were, uh, um, you know, that, that really helped my career, being with those guys. And not just the, the on-ice, you know, was, was really fast, and we were a, a playoff team. So and, and in Chicago, after they made all those trades, we weren't a playoff team. So for me personally, it was a chance to um, – playing a team that had a chance to make the playoffs and and the biggest thing of that biggest thing out of all everything was just the way they played they played this fast aggressive style which just suited me perfectly and I um I became such a a faster quicker player just just by getting traded there so it it helped me immensely in my career it it wasn't just the ice right no it's not just the ice (laughs) um and you know I'll, I'll I'll in respect to those guys that, that did the ice back then. I mean, it, it got, I think it, the thing about Edmonton is that I guess in the eighties, it was just hockey and they didn't take the ice out very much, but as Edmonton grew and as the oil grew and disposable income um, was abundant in Alberta and that, that brought in all the best concerts and all the top uh, shows and rodeos and everything. So the ice was out a lot more. So, the ice kind of went down the hill a little bit uh, to nobody's fault. Um, but I, I would say around like 2000s, any in my opinion anyway, is that just ice was ice. There was there was, uh, there was was average ice above and below average, but there wasn't great ice and there wasn't really bad ice. Um, it was just kind of consistent across the league. And um, I think we had the best ice for a while, but I think we, we kind of held on to that uh, – that reputation a little longer than uh, we should have. You spanned a couple of different eras in in the Oilers. You mentioned the the Marchands and the 
the group with Dougie Waite and, and so forth. And then yeah. you came into the next group, your 2006 group, which you had Roly and, and Shelly and, uh, and, and Pronger come in, but then you had Rafi and, and, and Jarrett and, and, and that Fernando uh, as well. So how did you approach teaching those guys and taking care of those guys? Yeah, that's 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 uh, you know, yeah. Not not only just on the Oilers, but in the league in general. Yeah. I was really fortunate where I came in with uh, you know, if you want to mark the NHL with you know Gretzky and Lemieux, I caught those guys at the end, and I caught the obviously most of uh, Sid and Ovi's uh, career, and then um, you know, and then I got, then I got to see Taves and Kane. I just I just missed McDavid and uh, Matthews and those guys, but I saw a pretty a pretty big turnover. I mean, I played with guys like Dennis Savard, and I also, you know, I played with a lot of guys that are still in the league. So that's the cool thing about hockey. I think if uh, you know you come in the league at 18 and there's guys playing that are 45, um, those 45 year old like I remember Chris Chelios telling me stories about fighting. Uh, um, uh, uh, what's the guy's name in Philly? Brown. Dave Brown probably should probably should remember his name, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> you had to be aware of him. Yeah, I don't want to run into a bar. I I heard your interview. You didn't forgot my name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, Mister Brown. I'm really sorry. <laughs> anyway, so you hear stories about like Dave Brown and Terry O'Reilly, and then and then you got these kids telling you stories about Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, and in, 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 in junior. So it was pretty cool, like the time I spent, but. Specifically to Edmonton, it was you know I was I was uh, taught a lot by Kevin Lowe and Kelly Buckberger and Craig McTavish and um, uh, you know some great leaders in Edmonton and and, and you know that there was a there was a great culture there and what was expected of you it was it was really um, it was it wasn't just suggestive I mean there was um, this is how we play this is how we do this this is how we do this we don't. You know, we don't uh, we don't do this. So it was it was really black and white for what we had to do. Um, so for me, when when guys like Jared and Rafi and Matt Green came on board, um, it was easy for me to lead because I had such I had such great people show me how to play hockey. And I think in those guys were a treat. But, I mean, it was awesome playing with those guys and Cogliano as well and Gagne and. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think I helped those guys out a lot in their careers. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun going from a, a young guy soaking everything up, and then a few years later trying to trying to help the the, the next wave of Oilers that came in. Which unfortunately, those guys were uh, weren't there long enough. That was kind of the, the downfall of uh, the Oilers' time. Was you know you could kind of trace it exactly back to uh, Matt Green, uh, Rafi Torres, and Jared Stoll. That was uh, if anybody ever asked what. what what went wrong? That's what went wrong. It was. It wasn't. Uh, you know. It wasn't prior. It wasn't uh, anything else. It was that middle leadership group that we lost after we went to the finals. You got to play in a game seven of a Stanley Cup final. What? Yeah. Can Can you take me through after after the series went the distance and like the the lead up the night before the 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 meeting the conversation not, not specifics but just what you remember about going through that process because a game seven of a Stanley Cup final win or lose is still so dramatic. Yeah, I think the way this series went, it was, um, I'll skip the first five games, but game six was, uh, it was such an overwhelming, uh, win for us. I mean, we dominated them and, and, and not, 
in everything, but really physically, I felt like we almost uh, intimidated them a little bit and they, they didn't quit, but I could tell they wanted no part of that game. They just wanted to get out of there. Um, so and it, it, it really worked to their advantage. We were so confident because we played probably the best game we played all year and we just totally dominated a team that was in the Stanley Cup finals. Um, and, and we were just uber confident and maybe you have to have this uh, mentality to win, but we, I don't think I ever thought we were going to lose that, that, that game or even lose, not win the cup. So all your thoughts and all your preparations, like you're literally thinking about, you know, family and how you're going to do the parade and how you're going to do the cup. Like there was never, I never laid in bed thinking, man, if I lose this, how am I going to feel? Or what am, what am I going to do if I lose? Like I truly, and I think everybody thought that way. And that's probably why we made it that far with that team is um, just the belief was unbelievable. And I think, you know, the night before it was just, you know, if we play the same game, we'll be fine. But, you know, leading up to it, um, you know, I'll, I'll admit I, I was nervous. I was tight. Um, I wasn't prepared for that moment. Um, as I, and I, I would assume if I wasn't, a lot of guys weren't. And I didn't perform the way I could. And I think, um, you know, if, if we were to do it over again, I probably would have spent more time on that, more time in the mental aspect and just how to get ready and how to, um, you know, how to kind of calm your nerves down and how to perform under that great pressure. Because are, was, are you talking uh, like in the morning and, and the afternoon and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, kind of the night before morning, but yeah. more so just like all of a sudden at game time, you're like, man, I don't I don't feel great. I just feel like. I don't feel myself. I don't feel loose, and and maybe that's just me. Um, Did you panic they, when you when you, when you I felt that? No, I didn't panic. It's just like do you know when you're if you're going. Let's say you're going through a, a twenty goal goal slump, which yeah. you know I'm sure you've never been through. But no, but I've been um, in slumps at work where where you can't for easy things, and it's just not coming not right. And you're like, why the right. hell isn't this coming? Right. So you, you so it's like anything in life, right? And and when, and when you don't have that when you're tight so you see about three feet in front of you and things don't just they, they, you're kind of blocking your own energy system you're you're, you're in between that um um excite you're you're excited but you're too excited and it's hard to bring it back down to where you should be um and the nervousness just you know your muscles are tight you don't see you don't think as clear as you should and i and i think when you see teams that lose and come back and win I think that's why is because they, they're able to deal with those moments and, and that moment in particular. Um, and we didn't have enough guys that have been through it. And I don't think we had anybody that had been through it in Carolina. They had some, they, they, they had, they had more experience, you know, they, they had more guys that I think you could um, lean on and maybe they prepared, you know, not, not to mention they played great in game seven, but, and I always, you know, I always feel like I'm, you know, disparaging the, the team, but I, I, I mean, we beat Detroit. They had 125 points. We beat uh, San Jose, Anaheim, the one the next year. I mean, we were we were beating some pretty good teams, and we didn't think Carolina was really on the same level. And, you know, we lost our starting goalie in, in the yeah. first game. You know, it was an excuse, but we played a second. And then a third goalie in the Stanley Cup Finals, which isn't ideal when you're going against the guy that won the, won the Conn Smythe. Um, but even with those... Um, hurdles we still thought we had the better team but they had they had that um they had that veteran leadership guys like dougie wade and uh you know brenda moore and 
I think they just handled the, the moment better, even though game seven, they got a couple of goals from the blue line and it was a close game. We, we, we weren't able to score. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I remember. I just remember being, um, it's just a, a different feeling that I've never felt before. And it's hard to prepare for something that you've never felt. Um, you know, obviously I've been nervous before I've, but this was different. This was, uh, you know, life, life changing. And I, and I, I just, uh, I wish I was better prepared. Have you ever to, been that uh, nervous? To perform. Have you ever been that nervous again? Or when was the last time you were nervous? No, never. No, it's a different, it's a different thing that just kind of snuck up on me. And I, I talked a little bit with guys, but it was such, it was so heart wrenching that we don't even talk about it. Like, I mean, yeah. you've seen me with Rafi and, yeah. and, uh, we don't, we don't talk, we don't even talk about it, you know? So it's, uh, well, Rafi doesn't talk. <laughs> Rafi just makes gestures. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, no, Rafi's great. He Rafi's is. Rafi's great. See, oh, ironically, I think Rafi was the best player in that game because he probably wasn't even thinking about the game. That's a good point, though. Just being going out and skating, yeah. and and I, I have as much fun with Rafi as anyway and anybody. And someday he is going to punch me in the head. But that is a great yeah. point about just going out and playing and having such a simple game plan. Yeah, like, like, yeah. I mean, I was a I was a thinker. You know, I, I I think about everything about you know every possible position and, and and who's doing what and what you know and what player does what. And I don't and I and I know a Rafi at that age going out and you know trying to run people over and score goals so um his level of not calmness but his level of play um you could tell in that game he was loose and and, and he handled the the spotlight very well I, I really think he was our best player in that game want to uh, leave it with you talking about being a captain in the national hockey league and you were a captain for a few years yeah. what was that when when you first saw the c on your sweater uh, the privilege, the the pride, the responsibility, and the pressure, maybe. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, especially being in Edmonton, and, and I, I already had been there for a decade. Um, you know, and I was assistant captain. I was I was a, a big part of the leadership group. J- Jason Smith was my best friend, and he was a captain. And um, I didn't really feel any different, to be honest. Like I I I was already doing a lot of that stuff before I was captain. Um, but having it actually on your jersey is probably the, the biggest thrill, and and knowing the knowing the history of that team and knowing who's who's been in that position um, was 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 awesome. You know, it wasn't it wasn't extra pressure at all. I didn't uh, yeah, I didn't change at all. I didn't other than um, you know being being more vocal with uh, things that needed to be done outside of the team when you're talking to management and ownership, which um, you know, at times I don't think uh, people appreciate it, but I thought that was my that was my job. But just in the locker room and on the ice, nothing really changed. I was the same person. I acted the exact same room in the. I acted the exact same way in the room because I was already that guy. I was already uh, leading the team as as best as I could. Um, so you know, from going from all that pride and all that. Um, um, just excitement just because it, you know, it just feels good. You know, you're skating around and warm up in the NHL and, you, and you're a captain of the Oilers. It's pretty cool. Right. Um, but being, but being a captain of the worst place team in the league is, is tough. You know, it's uh, that comes with a lot of challenges. We, um, you know, we, we didn't have a good team. Uh, 
from top to bottom every we were just bad we we're just a bad team so it's it, you know it's easy to lead it's easy to lead when you're going to the Stanley Cup finals um it, it's hard to lead when you're the worst team in the league so um you know not, not to get all negative but it was uh and I, I honestly there wasn't a ton of uh you know I was a third fourth line player and I I, I was doing the stuff I always tried to do so I knew it wasn't uh we weren't losing because of leadership or just losing because we weren't a very good team. But, um, but every day I tried my best every day. I, I took it. Uh, I took the responsibility. Um, I did my best. I can honestly say that every single day that I, uh, I tried to make our team better and I tried to help the young guys and regardless of the result, I'm, I'm very proud of what I did. Kate, I'll lean on your experience and I'll, I'll channel Connor McDavid here. And the Oilers are going through a, a challenging time right now. They're not last place, but it's, a, it's obviously a difficult period in the franchise. What, as a former captain to the current captain, what would you tell him about handling this? Well, you can only do what you can do. I mean, you, the, the best, there's a reason why the, the, they are where they are. They're not good enough. And, and, if that's too harsh, and then that's that's fine. I just don't think their lineup's good enough. So, um, who are the best teams in the league? Look them up, and then look at their lineup, then put them against Edmonton's. And it's that's just the uh, you know sometimes we overanalyze where teams are and who's going to make the playoffs. Well, the the teams the, the best teams are going to make the playoffs. The teams with the best players, and you know coaching factors into it. But the you need you need to be solid in certain positions and they're just not there yet. Um, you know, it's frustrating as a fan. I want them to win and I thought they were close and um, things were going pretty well. And I think they took a step back with some of the personnel and some of the, some of the decisions they made, made their team worse. And now they're in a position where it's going to be hard to make the playoffs. And I hope they do, but um, you know, for the best player in the world, I mean, uh, there's not much he can do. I mean, he can't elevate, he can elevate um, the emotion and he can, the guys that he's playing with will play better, but he can't just make players way better and, and, and make them, make them into players that can compete for a Stanley Cup. It doesn't work that way. You know what? Almost a thousand games in the NHL. And what I'm uh, most jealous of you is you get to coach your son in, in junior B and that's, that's a cool thing. And uh, enjoy, enjoy every practice, every game of that. Yeah, I do. I do. I enjoy driving to the rink with them. It's uh, it's pretty cool. And and not only that, but we got a, we got a good bunch of guys that uh, um, are local kids. So yeah, it's awesome, man. I, I do enjoy every day. It's fun catching up. Thanks for doing this, pal. All right, buddy. Good luck. Nice nice being on with you. No, Ethan's trophy case is not as full as Justin Williams, but I do want to remind you, Morrow was named winner of the King Clancy Memorial Trophy while with the Oilers. The trophy is awarded to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution to his community. I want to thank two members of the Carolina Hurricanes organization, Mike Sunheim and Pace Sangster, who wear a few different hats with the team but are known to people like me for helping the media do our job. They ensured the interview with Justin took place, and I appreciate it greatly. Thanks to Chris Rook, who handled the editing of Episode 7 while on a ski vacation. The Chirp is also produced with Chris Rook. Thanks to George Arabian at InVision and Dean Blundell. I am the executive producer of The Chirp. 
Thanks for listening. And if and when you can, share your thoughts on the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Darren Millard. I get all direct messages, so send me your comments. The feedback is excellent. And if you think of something we can do a bit better or a lot better, or how about a guest you'd like to hear from, please let me know. Be safe. We'll chirp you later.